how are you? How is your mental health? Um, hanging by a, a thread. I mean, there's definitely one moment a day that I feel like I'm going to black out, but you know, generally okay. Um, I too had a little little four day getaway last week um, up in Santa Clarita in Ooh. the Reno nine one one production bubble. Which we too had to be, you know, we like test five days out, test two days out, test at the door on the way to the hotel that you check in and then you don't leave. Nobody in, nobody out. Um, Crew and actors all in different sort of zones and groups to aid with contact tracing should anyone test positive, which as far as I'm aware, nobody has yet Um, and probably won't because it is truly really well locked down. But it was three days of just – screaming in a wig and being ridiculous with the funniest mm. people on the planet. And um, this was for their second Quibi season. And then the day, my, my last day on set, I'm in a, I'm in a, a Kenny G wig. I'm in a silk blouse with a, with a leopard uh, scarf and dance pants. And, uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a season wrap on me. Hey, goodbye, Dave. Yay. I go like, I leave the set and, uh, and go back up to my room. I check my phone. Three different people have sent me the message that Quibi has shut down. So, so that happened. So, what does that mean for I can't everything that just they did just shot? So that happened. Well, so it'll. I mean, nobody knows for sure, but nobody knew anyway. You know, I mean, I, I can't say yeah. that anyone was really banking on the future of Quibi, right? So, it they had they had bought the sec, the the second Quibi season of Reno 911 and they bought like 120 minutes which is how they purchase shows in like minute increments and then right you break those minutes up into x number of episodes so the original model of Quibi was that you sell a show to them the rights then revert back to you after 2 years so if that stays the way that is then the then Tom and Ben and Carrie will get the rights back in a year and a half and It'll be a show that's already done and paid for and they'll sell it to somebody. And it's already, you know, this is season eight, so there's all kinds of stuff and whatever. Or perhaps Quibi themselves to offset the loss of billions of dollars that they poured in to the app will maybe themselves try to sell it to somebody. But it'll it'll end up somewhere and everyone's check will clear and it'll be fine. In the meantime, I need to see you in these wigs. Oh, my God. It was a dream. It was a dream. Absolute dream. Um, so I'm glad uh, we both got away. So important. Me too. Um, so important. And what what did you do for voting? Did you you did a Dropbox? I did a Dropbox. Yeah. Um, it has been received. It will be counted. Did I spill coffee on it before I dropped it? Yes, I did. Just a tiny bit though. So I think I think it'll be a clean ballot. What did you do? That's okay. Uh, I, uh, I I I think I'm going to skip it this year. Yeah, no, I, think um, I did. I did by mail. You know, I have a a, a mail person that I have a f- friendly relationship with, and it's something that felt it felt special to see him come and pick up my ballot. And I did the ballot uh-huh. tracks thing so I could see that it was received and all that uh-huh. good stuff. Okay. So now we just wait, and in the meantime, I'm you know th- threatening a family member who lives in Pennsylvania, um, just letting him know our relationship is on the line. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. That's what no, it's come I to. Don't I don't think that you are. Um I should we I mean, you know, this is our last last show before the election. Should we give the sh- I mean, should we finally announce the coveted homophilia presidential endorsement? I think it's time. Please do the honors. Okay. 
the homophilia podcast endorses Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for president and yep. vice president of the United States of America. We know that it's, it's controversial. We have mm-hmm. always been a controversial show. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. always pushed the envelope and we're doing it mm-hmm. again. Speaking of conservative family members, <clears throat> I'm just going to read you a text message that I received. Oh, God. <clears throat> from a conservative family member. <clears throat> so I hear California has outlawed Thanksgiving. I hope you and Ben will consider shedding the oppressive socialistic shackles of California and come home to enjoy your God-given right to liberty for the holiday. Yeah. Am I getting, like, is this, has my life been a decades-long prank? What's going on? Well, you know, what I I said to you when you showed me this text is that I I am, I was uh, sort of pleasantly surprised at the self-aware tone i mean i know he does believe all of these things but it it is also as far as like conservative humor goes like he's doing all right okay yeah i can't really tell what yeah i can't tell what the deal is this is this is why conservative comedy shows are doomed to failure um because it's impossible to nail the tone um but in the meantime it's like I can't fucking go home for Thanksgiving. I would have of to course. drive. I've got, you know, 120,000 miles on my fucking Prius. You know, it's not going to go halfway across. I mean, it probably will. But I would have to drive two days across the country, stand very far apart from my family, be there for 45 minutes, turn around and drive back. And it's like, I can't, it's not, this shit's not funny yet. It's not funny yet. And it's right. not going to be for a minute. Like, this is a fucking disaster. I won't have seen my mother this calendar year, and it's not responsible to do that, probably until spring at the very fucking earliest. So it's like, okay, just shut, just shut up. Just shut is up. Is your mom doing all the things, by the way, or is she doing all the things we want her to to stay safe? She is. Yeah, she definitely she is. is. She okay. definitely is. Yeah, no, she's Good. she's staying home. She's keeping it. You know, and, like, you know, my brothers and, and nieces and nephews who live in St. Louis are, are getting her out and – and they're doing restaurants in a in a responsible way and and all that kind of thing. So okay. yeah, I'm happy for that. That's good. But she's also getting all of that Fox News messaging of just like, well, maybe we should, you know, some of us who've lived long lives should just, you know, put ourselves out there to keep the economy going. And it's like, no, don't. We're not going to throw our grandmothers and mothers into the COVID volcano to appease the. Anyway, I don't know. Fucking yeah. drives me crazy. Sorry, I, di- I didn't mean to take it there. <laughs> but I got, the, I, I got that text and I slapped my forehead so hard I startled my dog. And, and it's just – But just how did strange. you respond? Did well, you? I was like, listen, uh, yeah, I would love to, but I don't see a responsible way to come home for any of the holidays this year. Um, so just, you know, let's fucking think about that before we – Get goofy with our funny little texts and oh. shit. Anyway. Well, that that's a wild text to get. Uh, but yeah. I've got uh, a, a uh, much better piece of text. Oh, let's. Segue. Trying get to get into, into uh, another five-star review. That's what? what I'm trying to get to here. Oh, beautiful. Uh, Lay it on me. We have got a review from Darling 23 who says, love this podcast. Matt and Dave are my weekly touchstones into the world of entertainment, LGBTQIA plus artists and personalities, and life in general. I look forward to their weekly insights into topics that range from highly introspective to purely whimsical. 
Oh, I love see. Oh. I love introspection, and I love whimsy. I'm so glad that uh, this person pointed that out. That's what we're all about, Starling. Thank you, Starling, with a, possibly with a silent P, like pterodactyl. We love you. We love you. Thank you so much. And yes, our guest this week you. is both whimsical and introspective. He is That's a. Right. He's not only a pop star. He's a pop idol. He is the winner of the first season of Pop Idol. Um, he is a singer-songwriter. He is an actor. He is an author. His new book, To That's Be a Gay right. Man, is fabulous. His new album, Lexicon, is fabulous. He is the one and only Will Young. We're on a, we're on a tear of British uh, musical icons. That's right. And by the way, it's not over. Well, the Brit uh, run is not over. Yeah, Spoiler alert. True. Uh, Spoiler alert. We have a we have well we have a, a legend coming soon. It, yes. We but in the meantime, oh, we've got a legend right here, and his name is Will Young. And we are back with Will Young. Will Young in his childhood bedroom. I know it sounds a bit odd, that, doesn't it? In a fetal position, saying, what happened? No, that sounds exactly right. That's where we all are emotionally, but you're just fully embodying it. Which I appreciate. Yeah, it's quite funny, because I've I've always had the same family home, which I think is quite a luxury, in if it can be described as that. A luxury? Well, it's it's quite quite, uh, unusual. Uh, when I think of all the people I know in my life, not many of them have only ever, you know, grown up in one house. So it's quite, it's quite amazing to have a place which, you know, has so many memories. There's so many memories that I don't even think about the memories, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're just, just immersed. Innate, it's, it's innate in my life. Yeah. So um, I suppose I'm thinking about it because my parents are, going to sell it now so oh, um, no. you know i probably am yeah yeah it, i'm probably um sort of looking at things in a slightly more rose-tinted way sure yeah, you gotta soak it up i gotta say this is why i'm not leaving the house well i think that's very smart who all is there yeah. who's the cast of characters the cast of characters here is me uh in room uh my dad downstairs watching uh, cricket, uh-huh. um, tw- 2020 cricket, which is a very more, it's a more exciting way of doing cricket because you only have 20 overs for each team. Um, so the so thing doesn't last on. days. Yes. Yeah, so it doesn't last five days. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is, which is personally for me, the dullest thing on the planet along yeah. with golf. And, um, oh, dear Lord. sorry if anyone likes golf and, uh, that's it because my mum is down in Cornwall. Uh, my sister is in um, in Gloucestershire, yeah. And we had okay. one more, but unfortunately, that one more has uh, gone. Unfortunately, so it's only four, four of us now. Yeah. And the, have the four of you been kind of quarantining together? No. So I was in America uh, for the first month or so of quarantine uh, in California. Then I came back. Went and my parents were quarantining, even though they're together separately. Um, one because that's just how it happened, and two, I think they would have 
murdered each other if they'd been sure. in the same house. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I went down to join my dad, which was lovely. I mean, it was such a, it was such a pleasure, you know, to, who, when, when's that ever, what a unique time, you know, to suddenly spend a month with my dad. Um, and then I had to travel. So I had a problem with my house in London, so I had to travel. Yeah. Uh, and then we all ended up sort of quarantined together for the next however long. Okay. I mean, it's a bit, it's a, it's a, sh- I mean, it's a shit show, isn't it? Let's be honest. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Oh, what, gosh. what is, what, what phase are you in in the UK at the moment? Oh, suicidal, I think. Okay. Um, I mean, mass suicide. I think, I don't know what phase we're at. I think, I don't know. I honestly, I don't think anyone knows because there's, there's quite sort of conflicting things of like, you can go to the pub, but you can't sort of do something else, like have three in a shop, but you're allowed right. to have 50 in a pub. But that's very, that's very British. It's like, as long as we get the pubs up and running, uh-huh. we'll all, be, we'll all, we'll all yeah. as long as we have the pubs in the last two remaining Spitfires, we'll be fine. Yeah. Can, do you know uh, what I mean? It, do, do you do outdoor seating? Is it, is it ever weather for, for outdoor tables in pubs and whatnot? Well, yeah, we have, I have noticed that there more out, there is that more outdoor seating, um, which is hysterical in itself because our sort of local council or local government system, you know, if you put a sort of leg of a chair on a pavement, if it's not allowed, you know, they come down, you're like, come down on you like a ton of bricks, but now it's like, put the chairs out. It doesn't matter. Don't yeah. put chairs everywhere. That's exactly um, we, what we're, we're the doing. The weather's going to turn now. Yeah. See, ours won't. Los Angeles, it's beautiful outside 360 days a year, and yet we never do outdoor dining. So now every restaurant that's open, the tables are in the parking lot, and it's like, why the fuck haven't we been doing this the whole time? It's great out here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, where you are. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Stupid. people, yes, it's, it's all, a, a, I mean, it's, it's all, it, it is what it is, isn't it? Exactly. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. So, so Will, oh, what sorry. are you watching? Oh, we're probably going to ask the same thing. What are you yeah. watching in quarantine? Yeah. What are you and your dad huddled up? Well, watching? cricket. My dad's watching sure. cricket. Sure, sure. I, I'm watching something. I watch very lowbrow things. So very I'm nice. sorry. Yeah. So there's something called, what have I just started watching? And it's called the Woo, Woo Assassin. I don't know what yeah. that is. Uh, that, I feel like I can see it. I can vaguely imid, uh, imagine the it's thumbnail. Just, it's just brilliant fighting. And I'd, anything oh. that's kind of martial arts, um, Marvel, anything like any fantasy, I love. Yeah. So I But before that, I was watching, <laughs> I was watching something called Below Deck. Oh, sure. All right. Let's get into it. I'd never watched it before. It's uh, it's a revelation. It's absolutely hysterical. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was absolutely, I was hooked because I felt like I was going on holiday with them. And there was like one sort of hunky guy. So I could just enjoy the times when he had his top off. Sure. And then I could look at the vile people sort of who'd actually booked the vote, the, the boat and thought, gosh, I hate you. Yeah. Um, and then looked at some nice sort of crystal clear water and I just became absolutely hooked to it. 
Yeah. It gives you everything yeah. you need. Yeah, I'm really disappointed because I don't have I, – I could only watch two series on the channel I've got, and I don't have the other thingy. But apparently there's loads of them. So oh, that's yeah. going to be my junk. Oh, know. there's yeah. spin-off and everything. No, I've seen not, I've seen I've seen nothing of any any anything that I could learn from. I've watched I haven't watched any of that. Oh good. I haven't watched well, they- anything that I could remotely glean any life sort of, you know, lessons from. Then you are our dream guest. As it's if so we good. didn't I'm already really know stupid. it. No, 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 you're not. You're doing exactly the right thing. Are you a Coronation Street person? Uh, No, Um, I used to be more EastEnders. I think that's because my family are middle class. Um, So I didn't have a choice in the matter. Just want to let you know that. But Coronation Street's much funnier and better. It's, It's interesting. I'm absolutely hooked on it, except it's totally frustrating me right now. Uh, what's great about it right now is that they're they're at the episodes that they had started before uh COVID. And so so it's like so Kevin Webster starts a scene and like he and Abby are like, you know, have their arms around each other. And then in the next scene, he's lost 15 pounds, he's got a tan, they're across the kitchen from each other and they don't move. And then Amazing. the scene after that, they're back on the couch. It's it's like they're weaving through things from all the last few months. Um, entire scenes oh, take place that. in the card shop and it's like three people and just literally none of them ever move. They're yeah. just kind of stuck <laughs> exactly six feet apart. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Are you getting you are you getting used to that or is it still in that sort of transition? Well, like uh, you said, you're you're at the beginning of it. Yeah, I'm not period. Yeah, it's still it's still very the stage that I'm in right now is, and I think you'll agree, Matt, like when I see people kiss on a show, I'm like <gasps> You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little spooked by human contact, even on my television, even on an episode of Cheers from 35 years ago. I get that when someone shakes hands on the TV. Yes. I think I want to shout, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> That's a sanitizer. Yeah, terrifying. Uh, up. Well, we have to talk music, obviously. Um, what? Obviously. What did you grow up loving? Who did you did you grow up uh, sort of worshiping as a kid musically? Well, I feel I was quite fortunate because my my parents got really good music taste, um, particularly my mother. But I grew up listening to Bowie, um, Joni Mitchell, Ruth Franklin, The Beatles, big big influence, Nina Simone, and then some wonderful. People like Joan Armour Trading, I don't know how well she's known. And, well, I think she is quite big in America. Um, uh, not big enough. Incredible. Not, in, not big enough. Um, brilliant, brilliant artist. Um, and then that probably translated into Michael Jackson, Prince, uh, Debbie Harry, The Cure. Oh. Yeah. Oh, there's the dog. There's the dog. Um, there's the dog. Yeah. Oh. So Are, I, I think... Quite a few, actually. Quite a few legends, I would say. You know, proper icons of the game. Yeah. Who, what about right now? Who Who are you liking now? Who is up and coming that we must know about? Oh, well, he's. I don't think he is up and coming. I think he's already arrived. But, you see, I, I still listen to CDs because um, I, I find... Um, like streaming and all that thing a bit overwhelming and I, I, I have too much choice. So I end up doing nothing. Right. So I get, I've got quite an old car with a, with a six CD changer in it. Um, 
And then I just go into record shops and I say, right, I either take from my collection or I say, right, give me the, the, the six recommendations that you yeah. think I should listen to. Um, and I love a band called The Foles, British band. They're sure. amazing. And there's a guy called Sam Fender. Oh, um, isn't he great? His, that album is, so basically I put it on and because it's a CD changer and I, I didn't know who it was, I was like, oh, that's a bit, it's a bit irritating. It's a bit like, like a version of The Killers. And uh, I don't not like The Killers, but The Killers isn't my thing. Um, I'm sorry, because I know you have a picture of him um, behind okay. you. Um, a lot of reasons for that. He's very, very good, but not my kind of music. But this guy is just like, it's such a good record. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like... You know when you listen, this is why I like having albums in the car, because I don't really have much choice, so I have to listen to it through. It's so good. Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, um, so it's I'm enjoying emotional, that. And then, operatic. It's just brilliant. The song, the song Dead Boys makes me cry and it will come on it'll it's on my like jo- on my like jogging mix so i'll fully be running and sobbing when dead boys comes on <laughs> like publicly on oh, the yeah, I'm, i mean that's me most jogs anyway to be honest Great. <laughs> yeah again yeah. i knew you were a perfect guest yeah particularly if i run past the shop window i'm like oh who's that and i think yeah. oh it's me and then i cry <laughs> Um, yeah, oh, well, I'm, ple- I'm pleased you like him. Um, yeah, he's uh, yeah, and then and then I've got there's a thing called Northern Soul in in the UK. Yeah, um, which was literally soul music that was kind of imported into the discos in the north and in the seventies. Um, and I've got a double CD of that Northern Soul sort of mega mix, and that's just brilliant. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm loving at the moment. There used to be a really good Northern Soul dance party in Los Angeles at a club on Sunset. Oh, yeah. It was called The Bullet. And it was phenomenal. And just the idea of dancing publicly seems so exotic right now. Oh, doesn't it? Oh, my God. The idea of Northern Soul in, in LA is just like, that's the dream oh, for me. Delicious. But speaking of oh. public uh, dancing, I think I, we saw on Instagram that Ducky is reopened. It's back and running. Am I wrong? It was a legitimate gas. You know, it is, it's, well, I know that the Vauxhall Tavern's yeah, been reopened, so I guess Ducky must be, um, but I don't know, I don't know how they're doing that. They must be doing it outside. I mean, I plead the fifth on that one. Yeah. I don't, I don't, um, that's an American reference. It is. It's very good. good. Yeah. No well, one are Thank amendments you. and shit. Thank well, you very much. Done. That's That's my studied American politics. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's all you need to know, by the don't, way. You don't, should skip don't the get rest me onto filibustering. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it's called? Can't remember. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you have written a book. It is called "To Be a Gay Man." It is absolutely brilliant. Um, your exploration and your your description of being a young boy and and beginning to conceptualize the fact that you are different is is just so beautifully done um i related to it so strongly you have yeah and you gave me you gave me chills so thank you for thank you for writing it oh i appreciate that yeah i really um no that's that's that makes it worth it you know it's uh yeah, it's been an it's been an interesting thing to do. 
really fascinating actually yeah i loved it really really loved writing it yeah um not very i wouldn't have been able to have done it if i hadn't sort of worked through my shit basically right um i think it would have been too painful and i wouldn't have been able to get any kind of perspective um because i had to kind of float myself back it was like time traveling emotionally back to all these places and it was quite interesting to do it um and i just forgot all these i mean i literally forgot so much stuff it's one of the great things about humanity i think is we actually do when we look back on things we actually tend to remember the positives more than the negatives uh-huh. um which is unusual for me because i tend to look more at the negatives and the positives in the present day um but i suddenly all these things were coming back to me and i was like oh my god i can't believe that happened you know like walking past someone uh, there'd, there'd been a na- there was a nail bomb in a pub in soho in london um a pub called the admiral duncan uh-huh. and it was a nail bomb and it it i mean it it tore out people's eyes. I mean, it was just horrific. And it was a gay pub. Um, and I walked, and it happened when I was at university, and I walked past, see, I forgot this, uh, a person who was becoming a friend, or a sort of group of people. And I wasn't openly gay then. And I heard one of them say to someone else, well, what do you expect? You know, they brought it on themselves, really. You know, I actually forgot that I even heard I forgot that that happened and that this person said that. I was like, shit, how did I forget that? But it was, but I used it as an example of why it can be so scary for people because they pick up on all these kind of things. And I was picking up on all these kind of messages, you know, that were saying, oh, well, they, you know, literally that message was saying, well, gay people are so disgusted disgusting they deserve to be blown up you know i mean yeah. <laughs> in 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 1999 that was the message so uh, it was quite interesting remembering all those kind yeah. of things those kinds of things you can't i, I kind of went through the same process and you 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 have to push them down in order to survive <laughs> you know what i mean you can't that can't that kind of message from somebody who you're friendly with can't stay at the front of your mind because you would go crazy so on some level you do have to like mm push that shit down. And, uh, and it takes something like writing as you've done to like, just sort of bring that stuff back to the surface. Yeah. And it can, can be very painful because it can bring up a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff, anger, Mm -hmm. shame, sadness, you know, anxiety, you know, there's a a lot to have. It's, It's not, it's understandable why one would push all that stuff away um, because it's really painful. Um, and you know, who wants to go through painful stuff? Um, but hopefully, um, hopefully the book, uh, I, I never look at Instagram. Okay. Never. I didn't even realize that you could have, that people could friend request you until I was in LA. And then I looked and I was like, Oh my God, all these requests. And weirdly the first one, that someone requested me was some like hunky fireman that lives in America. And I was sending me filthy messages and I was like, Oh, this is friend requests. This is insanely amazing. You know, (laughs) I still don't know how he found me by the way. It's really odd. I think it's a hoax, but anyway, 
Oh, did you write um, him back or? Yeah, where's this? Yeah, send, oh, no, oh, so many. He's got so many nudes for me. Um, and so, and I think he, <laughs> it's probably a journalist. It's probably a fat, fat journalist somewhere. Yeah. Not that I'm body shaming. That's no. what it was. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a comparison with what I'm actually, you know, <laughs> supposed to be seeing. Um, you know, somewhere in Slough or somewhere, I don't know, sort of yeah. saying, right, here we go. Um, but I digress because I, I have been looking at, messages that people send me and and about the book and and it really means so much um because people have said such lovely things and nor- and normally I don't really look because I, I think oh you know platitudes and you need to boost your ego but this book isn't about that it's about trying to show people that they're not on their own um if anything if anything that that was what I wanted to do by kind of sharing my story. Yeah. Yeah. Was there someone who, who showed you that you were not on your own when you were young and coming up and coming out? No, no, I don't, I don't think there, there was. Um, I, I mean, that's sort of almost a, a large, not large chunk of the book, but it's definitely something to do with my generation. I think there was no one publicly that I could look at, you know, and go, oh, okay, that person's not berated or not put into a category of, look at me in my sparkly jacket. I'll, I'll still entertain you. You know, it's like, I'm gay, but we won't talk about sex. And, or the opposite was, it was someone who was sexual and they either died of AIDS, Freddie Mercury, um, or, you know, George Michael, who was found in a loo in California and know how you know and and how disgusting he was and you know look at this depraved person so there wasn't really anyone publicly or anyone privately that I could really sort of think wow they're a they're a role model yeah. um which is a shame it's a real shame yeah you have to generate that yourself which takes a lot of work yeah and also what I mean, some of the parts of the books are just sort of interesting things. Like I suddenly realized, gosh, well, maybe I based a lot of being gay on what straight, what the narrative was that straight people were making, you know, do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. uh, gay people just want to shag everyone and take drugs. It's like, well, actually who made out that narrative in the first place? So, you know, gay, straight people have had a lot to do with historically dictating the agenda for gay people and it's time to kind of like go which has been happening i think we don't want you you know dictating the agenda who who gave who made this up it wasn't gay people they didn't have the power to do it you know the power has lain with the heteronormative white patriarchy and um i didn't expect to kind of come up with that well firstly even the word, even that kind of sentence is wildly intelligent for me. Um, but also like just to, to find out things whilst thinking about it. I was like, wow, well, that is the case. You know, where did this come from? Where did this come from? It's really important like to look at, at things historically, to kind of work out in how things got there. Because when we work out how things got there, like good therapy, you know, you work out how something got there in the first place so you can then amend it. Um, 
I looked at the AIDS and HIV crisis in in the UK primarily, um, and it was just so interesting. You know, the adverts, it was called the gay plague. There was no funding towards it until the first straight couple died of it. Um, people were saying, round them up and gas them. You know, it was just endless. And And what I learned from that was that I just thought, being gay I would just die I just thought I was definitely going to die of AIDS yeah. it like actually was a truth it was a complete truth in my head there was no there was no way around that it was just right. like no I'm gonna die of AIDS because I'm gay and You're die in a way I saw on TV yeah that's like painful and shameful and public yeah yeah and I bought it on myself in the first place right you know because AIDS right. was the narrative was AIDS is the gay plague. It's your fault in the first place. Yeah. I've, I've um, told this story, so I'm just going to, I'm going to like give you the cliff notes, but my first time like fooling around with another boy, I was like 13. It was 1984. AIDS was just hitting the news. And it was like, we did such innocent 13 year old boy exploratory stuff. You know what I mean? Like no, nothing, nothing serious, but I was so overwhelmed with Catholic guilt at the end of it. Um, that I like went home and I was sick for a couple of days. And in my head, I was like, well, we just made AIDS. You know what I mean? Like two 13 year old boys, you know, with hands over the jeans, just like generated it because that's how it works. Cause nobody tells you any, anything different, you know, you don't have, you know, so it's like, I'm going to die of AIDS and it's going to happen like this afternoon. I'm just going to AIDS out in my 13 year old bedroom. Yeah. And, uh, and everyone will know. know. Yeah. And they'll laugh at me. Yeah. No. And I'll, and I'll notice sense. it no, even though I'm dead. Anyway, it's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> so when, yeah. when you decided to, to, when you, you know, made the choice to sort of break through all of this and come out, uh, it was, I mean, you were, uh, paint the picture for us uh, to just remind people where you were in terms of your public life and your career, just um, to help us understand what oh, the stakes were for you. Yeah. Oh, so I, won a competition called Pop Idol, which then went on to be American Idol. Yep. Um, so it started in the UK um, and then went to America. Um, and I was already openly gay, had been at university. Um, and I just thought, well, I'm not going to pretend to be straight. I mean, that would just be really silly <laughs> you know I just thought it'd be silly and also uh degrading to myself um and exhausting so so I didn't is I didn't and um I think after about two months it came out in the papers sort of sort of orchestrated by me and my management um yeah and it was it was actually okay uh, really on a large scale um, but I mean, there were like, and a lot of the things that weren't okay, I'd forgotten about because, because there was no point, you know, I didn't hold the power. So there was no point in me complaining if I was, if a paper was homophobic or, you know, I couldn't report to the police if someone threatened to knife me because I was, you know, I wouldn't even use the words actually. Um, so, and on the radio, people were very homophobic. You know, one of the, well, the biggest radio uh, 
um, show, morning show, the homophobic about me. Um, and it just sort of went on. But at the time, you know, I didn't, the, the power was with, you know, the heteronormative white patriarchy and they, they headed up all the institutions. Um, and I wouldn't take them on because I probably would not have a job. And that's what we've seen time and time again, you know, in the Me Too movement. Um, the same. And I, I actually know people, women in the music industry, who've been completely abused by, by pop stars, people like me. Um, but they can't say anything, you know, because they want to work and they've got kids and, you know, families to look after. Um, so it's only now that I can sort of look back and remember all those things, but not with any bitterness. Um, it's just really interesting to me. Um, but also what was brilliant was all the music industry at that time, you'd never come out. No way. No way. You just keep it hidden. Um, but it was the public that actually on, on the wider scale were like, yeah, okay, fine. And the next album I did sold twice as much. So in a way it was the public, um, you know, did a bit of a fuck you to the record industry, which I thought was quite sweet. Um, But no, it was quite unique, I suppose, at that time. Um, Yeah, I would have been miserable, though. I would have been so miserable if I was pretending. just didn't seem any point. Right. And also, I mean, fame happened for you so quickly on that show that you may not have had time to overthink it. Yeah, maybe. But I, you know, I was quite a sort of belligerent politics student. You know, I've got a politics degree. I was 22 when I won, so I was probably quite old in comparison to some of the other contestants. Right. Um, and I just had lived a bit, and I just just would have carried on doing some other stuff instead. I would, you know, fine, music wouldn't work for me. I wasn't so desperate that I was going to pretend to be someone I wasn't. I just right. thought that must be so miserable, right. you know. So I, w- I would have just done something else. And there was a tabloid that was maybe going to out you. Is that correct? Oh, there was. Yeah. Well, we were going to run with a sort of more of a broadsheet um, paper, I guess, like New York Times or something. And uh, it was more, you know, yeah, a tabloid Mm. wanted to sort of undercut us. Gotcha. Um, But I mean, that's just, yeah, that made sense. Of course. Sure. You know, fine doesn't doesn't matter um but i did have a very funny notting hill moment because i lived in notting hill and i actually lived if people know the film there was this lovely garden that julie roberts and hugh grant lay in and you know it it was all about this lovely garden and notting hill became so famous around the world and i actually ended up living in a flat that had this garden this communal garden it had access to it um and i felt very special and, and when when it was public that I was gay and it went in all the papers, I came out of my flat and it's like that bit in Notting Hill when Julia Roberts walks out onto Portobello Road and there's, mm. you know, 50 million. There was literally about 50, 50 photographers there with stepladders, benches, oh all set up. Um, but the funniest thing was I was just taking out the rubbish. So... The next day, the headline was, Will Young comes out. 
and then in brackets with the with the rubbish, <laughs> which I just thought was one of the most genius headlines. Right. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was all it was a bit weird. I mean, it was all a bit weird. Um, Who was your who your aunt if you were if you were Julia Roberts? Oh, good question. Um, well, I suppose it was probably it was probably my flatmate Mary. It was terribly posh. Um, <laughs> um, no, hun- no like, hunky man, not until a few years later. Yeah. No, I didn't even get a fumble in that garden. Mm. <laughs> what a waste, okay, of, well, uh, waste of an opportunity. <laughs> that's okay. Let's skip, let's skip ahead to that hunky man. Who was he? How did you meet him? What happened? What, what went down? Oh, what, my first hunky man. Um, who's my first hunky man? Well, my first... Like, I guess he was a dancer, wasn't he? Weirdly, he was in my dreams the other day. Um, I don't think he likes me very much anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, that was quite... He was very, very amazing dancer. I've been out with quite a few dancers. Um, and I think in part because I find that I find that level of expression so... Well, I used to find it so alien to me because I didn't even know what to like. I couldn't even like... I was the type of person that had to walk. I was so self-conscious. I had to walk always holding a bag or a rucksack because I never knew what to do with my hands. Um, but I've done, I did a lot of dance training and it's really, it's changed my life. Um, so I think I was always quite in awe of dancers um, and their ability to sort of be expressive. Uh, and also they've got great bodies. But the, I went out with, I know, I know, I'm fair. I went out with a gorgeous guy called Jesse from Chicago, actually, and not the musical, the, the, the city. And um, amazing, amazing contemporary dancer. And, and he, he's been my best relationship by far. Because I always say, like, American men actually know what the word codependence means, or even they've actually heard of it, whereas English men, they haven't, hmm. you know. And bound, boundaries would be a push for an English man. Okay. Um, so I think yeah, I think American men are more, particularly if they're kind of that real Anglophiles, they've got brilliant emotional awareness and they still know what sarcasm is, and that's quite a hmm. quite a cool blend, I think. So that's so well, that's the goal: an American Anglophile who is in touch with his feelings I and think can so. do uh, a deep bend. A triple pirouette, yeah. Yes. Preferably. Yeah. Uh-huh. Although now I'm older, the, that doesn't matter so much. Yeah. Maybe one pirouette will do it at this sure. stage one, of the game, right? Yeah. If, but I remember with That's Jesse, pretty impressive. We'd, go, we'd go to the cinema and he, I, and I can't do, for an actor, it's pretty poor, but I can't do an American accent. But um, L- Let's hear it though. No, I can't. But Please. he, we'd go, we'd go to the cinema and he'd ask in a very loud because americans are quite loud because it's such a big country you know so you have to be able to project your voice um and he's in the queue at the cinema you know asking for like i don't know like gluten-free hot dog or something really loudly and i'm like and he goes am i being am i being too american right now i said you are being way too american because you're expecting them to have it you're expecting good service Right. Which which is just not going to happen in Britain. It just doesn't. You know, like service in America, it's like important. You're lucky if you actually get 
your coffee warm <laughs> in London. So I had to keep on sort of like yeah. just getting him to dial it down a notch. Right. Are you familiar with Stephen Beresford, playwright, screenwriter? Um, he is, uh, super brilliant and his, that is his take on the, the U S UK divide. The U S Tim is a culture of yes. Whereas England is a culture of no, <laughs> you no in, England is a, yeah. Yeah. The customer exactly. is always right here. So mm. it, it creates an enormous amount of problems where in England, it's quite simple. Just, you get what you get. Enjoy it. Suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be thankful that I'm even, you know, here at all, yeah. bothering to serve you. So I want to go back to Jesse. You mentioned you had a dream about him recently and that he doesn't like you very much. Why? Do you oh, no, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. That wasn't Jesse. That was someone else. Oh. Um, that was why. Oh, I don't think he likes me very much. I can't remember. I won't go into that. Um, <laughs> no, no, he was my first boyfriend. My second one was, we see in the book, I've changed everyone's names. I am in the eighties in your book right now. <laughs> so, oh, you're the, so basically all my boyfriends that I speak about, you know, all of them, but the ones I do, I've changed their names because they haven't asked me to write about them it's a bit unfair um so but the thing is i can't keep up with what names i've given them so i'll just anyway boyfriend one didn't last that long he was hot boyfriend two two years brilliant um crazy dreadful relationship kind of passionate you know everything i needed in life at that time right boyfriend three Jesse, gorgeous, beautiful, learned so much from him. He had to go back to America. Oh, fantastic. Boyfriend four, Belgian, uh, dumped me with an emoji. Which I thought oh, was Oh no. I know, which is quite it was quite incredible. And it was that I wrote an article on it actually for The Guardian, but they never printed it. Um he dumped me and he used the monkey emoji when it's hiding its eyes with its hands. And See I, no I evil that monkey? Was, I just didn't understand what was going on. I was like, have you fucking dumped me with an emoji? <laughs> How did you it? even know that that signified I'm dumping you? Oh, no. Well, he said first, oh. but then he used the emoji. with. Oh, it. he I just punctuated like, it with I was that like, come it. on. Oh, shit. Like, come on. We're not two years old. Um, oh, my. I did, yeah. I did get him to come and explain it in person, and that's fine. So, okay. yes, but that was quite, that was quite, in, I was quite angry about that one. Yeah, um, And that's it. So I haven't had loads, but relation, I find relationships very tricky. They're very, very triggering for me and a little bit overwhelming. So I don't really tend to have, have them. Yeah. Well, well, this is a perfect time then for you because you can't. Well, I know. Isn't it brilliant? Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. do that brilliant. internal work um, right now. No, I've done, you know what? I've done so much fucking therapy. I, I don't want to do anymore. And, and I'm done. I'm done with it. Uh, I'm like, I, I, I feel like, you know, everyone has limitations and it just might be that that's my limitation. And, and if that's the case, 
I have quite a great life, so I, I can't really complain. It would be lovely because intimacy is lovely and all that, but I think it just might be too much for me. Right. So you don't have a longing to be married, to be a parent with a partner? I think there is a longing there, but it's a little bit like if I didn't have a left hand, I either, I would still potentially always want to have a left hand, but it's just not there. You know what I mean? So I'll always, I think I'll always, because it is a part of, of human nature to want that kind of partner. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing. Unfortunately, and who knows, it might change. The, the, the right person might just come along, you know, um, that doesn't trigger me, but it's so triggering for me um, that it's just, it's not a pleasure in the slightest. It's literally not a pleasure. Like, and maybe some people listening might relate to this, but I look at people and when they say, I'm going on a date, or even more, like I'm in a relationship, I think, oh my God, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> like, it triggers me just hearing someone else talk about it. Wow. I know, but you are. Sad. Like, sometimes I do get a bit sad about it, but I, I think, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. It's okay. But you are open to some, you know, sexy DMs from a firefighter across the pond, should they come in? Who is this guy? I mean, I don't know. Yes, I mean, I'm not made of ice, you know. Gosh. Yeah. Um, I don't know who this person is. It's hysterical. It's absolutely hysterical, you know. Because it was him, and then it was like Carol, age 65, from yeah. Milton Keynes. Yeah. And I <laughs> thought, gosh, well, you know, what a... <laughs> What a plethora of people wanting to friend request me. <laughs> a cornucopia. What is this? You know, you put exactly. You put so much emotional content into the, into you know the the part of the book where you're you know where your psyche is coming together, where your persona is coming together, and and you get so deeply mm. into the the shame and the and the isolation and and that kind of thing. I have to imagine that readers are connecting with that content and reaching out what are the how are the people closest to you with it how how did your family take that content oh i haven't read i haven't heard from my family um but i don't know if they've read it um yeah. and i don't feel a need either way right you no know? um i mean it's been 18 years that they have slept and read and watched and looked you know, a lot, a lot, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've done from films to plays to, you know, concerts, musicals, books I've written before, you know, they've done a lot of work. So I, I don't expect them to, to sort of inhale every bit of work that I do. Right. Um, I did get a lovely message. Actually, a friend, no, I was just speaking to a friend earlier. Gay is gay, and he was reading it. And we have a sort of, you know, we have one of those friendships. We're very good friends, but obviously, but also he'll be like, I, you know, will very rarely compliment you, if ever. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's our joke. And he actually rang me up and he said, I just, I'm really relating to, you know, all the stuff that I'm reading. He said, it's just amazing. He's from Liverpool, you know, from a very different background to me. 
we're, well, we're from different backgrounds. It doesn't matter. We've had the same experiences. Um, and I got a message from someone that I worked with a couple of times in the theatre. And, and he actually said, you know, I've actually been working through my gay shame during lockdown. And then I, he saw an interview that I did about the book. And he was, he, it was just, it made me cry what he said. It was just, it made the book worthwhile. And I tell you what's so interesting is we spend so much time pretending that everything's okay. Sometimes very sadly to the cl- people we're closest to. And I, and I remember seeing him walking along the street with his boyfriend and I thought, oh gosh, you know, I just got back from LA and I was like, oh gosh, you know, look at them. They're such a handsome couple. He looks so happy, you know? And, and then because I'd gone on TV and been quite open and vulnerable, he then openly shared with me and I just thought, oh, that's just so beautiful. You know, we spend so much, if only everyone could just be open and say that sometimes things are really shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so, and so anyway, a couple of people, you know, got in touch and it, and it was, it was very moving, very, very moving to me. Um, because also a lot of my output is, is me, 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 me the whole time. It's like, buy my album, buy this, yeah. come and see this, which is exhausting. Whereas this actually isn't really about me. It's about, uh, I'm not earning masses of money from, I'm not, you know, I, I, I would be happy if one person bought a book and then a million people and then shared it with a million people, which my yeah. publisher's, Will, will shoot me. Yeah, they're they not, they're, they're not into that. that. They're not into that mm. They definitely, I wouldn't imagine they're into that at all. No. Um, no. But, but I think it's, a, it's nice to do something that isn't about me. It's really about uh, other th- something bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about this stuff is still fairly new. You know, people have only sort of been publicly out in, in a large way in the last couple of decades. And so to take it to the next level and say like, actually let's get into the emotional content of our story is still fairly new. The thing is, that's the thing because I read this book called the velvet rage, which was sort of like the gay Bible for gay shame. And I, and I did like it. Um, I also, there were lots of things that I didn't relate to the, the person's a therapist. Um, you know, uh, I thought I wanted to write I wanted to write it from the client's perspective, not from the therapist's perspective, as in like I'm the client, I've been through this shit, you know, um, and there just isn't masses of literature out there um, so uh, but I yeah, so that's why I just well, I was kind of cajoled into writing it i didn't I didn't want to to begin with, but then someone said, my publisher said, "Look, I think you need to write this book." So I thought, okay, well, if you believe in me, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Was it enjoyable? Yes. Okay. It re- apart from one bit in the middle when I just got really bored and wanted to stop. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm bored of writing now. Yeah. <laughs> Make Still this stop. Though. Yeah, I had a break. I had a break for about two months and then I came back to it. Um, but I think writing is amazing. I absolutely love writing. I want to do more of it. It's really... It's such an amazing thing to do. Um, yeah, it's just, it's like instant, you know, song, songwriting's not instant. It takes longer. Um, learning words for a play or a film or whatever, that takes a long time. 
writing is instant. It's like, boom, it's out there on the page. I'd urge everyone to write. doesn't matter what happens to it. Just write. Yeah. It will make you make sense yourself. Write and dance. Yes. 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 Do it at the same time. Write and pirouette at the same time. Why not? Even if you can only do one badly. Yeah. (laughs) I think that should be like the the saying that we take from from this interview even if you can only do one do one that's right ladies and gentlemen do one um before we let you go um another thing you get into the into in the book is is the the sort of global appeal of camp to the young gay boy there is some strange thing where if you're in America or in the UK or in Albania or wherever, you see Crystal and uh, and Alexis fighting in a in a fountain, yes. and something happens. Yeah. Are there uh, is. is there a it's classic just... favorite camp moment that we should all reveal? Oh my oh my gosh, that's a question. Okay, well uh, this is weird. This is weird because this is what's just come. Oh come to mind um so i'll give you a camp moment Mm -hmm. which is julia roberts in pretty woman yep walking back into the shop which the bitchy shop assistants said to her we don't think you should be you should shop in here you don't look like you've got money this is what happened earlier on in the film if no one has watched it and she goes back later on. She's been dressed head to toe in, let's say, Givenchy, whatever. Yeah. Looking at looking a million dollars. She looked a million dollars anyway. She walks in and then she basically says, you were on commission, weren't you, when you yeah. threw me out? The woman's like, yeah. And she goes, big mistake, huge mistake, mm. and walks out. Now that, for me, is camp. That's beautiful. Don't know why, but it's camp, really? isn't it? Of course it is. It seems like every sort of every Julia Roberts milestone has really resonated with you from from Pretty Woman to Notting Hill, everything in between. It's just something to explore. Did I tell you? Did I tell you my story about Julia Roberts? No, please. Okay. That was awful. What happened? Well, no, she wasn't awful. I was. I was singing at the L.A. Baftas. And I was singing. Um, they asked me to sing. And I thought, oh, I'll do a jazz song. So I'll sing, can't remember what it was. Let's say Old Devil Called Love. And the pianist that they'd got was getting progressively more drunk from when we'd rehearsed it on stage. It was in yeah. some hotel um, to when I was about to go on stage, which he then started calling it um summertime and i was like we're not doing summertime yeah, we're doing the whole devil called love <laughs> and then he started telling me that he was more of a rock musician and i was mm. like why are you telling me this now <laughs> so i'm stressed anyway and there's famous people everywhere and i get really nervous around famous people not so much now but i did then until i realized that most of them are dicks and <laughs> and not not necessarily very nice people and um, so I was in the dressing room and Judy Roberts walked in and I was just mm-hmm. like fucking out Judy Roberts. And when I get nervous, I sweat, Yeah, which is not a good trait. No. And, um, I start sweating 
and the makeup artist is like, my God, you're burning up. You're really burning up. Anyway, and Julia Roberts says, hi. And I said, hi, I'm Will Young. And she goes, oh, you're the guy from Idol. And I went, no, no, in England, it's called Pop Idol. And then I said, but imagine if it was, if it was called, and all the time I had in my head. Um, I said, but imagine if it was called Pop Idol, then you'd bring your puppies. Oh. Oh. Well. Okay. Not a lot for her to work with there. She looked at me like, (laughs) she was like, yeah, I suppose you would. Yeah, yeah. You know. And then the makeup artist was like, Will, you're burning up. You're really, you're really burning up in here. Oh, Will. Oh, man. Well, I'm sorry we took you down that, uh, that uh, road. It's okay. Just there. You okay? I've done worse. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've done worse. That's a good attitude. It's a good attitude. Yeah. That's another book. That's me and my faux pas with, with um, Annie Lennox was going on tour. I know it's time oh, to finish. But I no, went, no, it's not. We could do back, this all day, I went, William. I went, I went back. I went back to see her, and I said, and and I was pissed because I was so excited to see Annie Lennox. I was like, Annie, Annie, what a show! She went, thanks. You know, she was a little yeah. she, and uh, and I said, loved it, loved. It. She said, any particular bit you loved? I said, well, I loved the bit. And you had the thing about the Gulf War, because this was around, you know, the Gulf War. And I went, you know, because I just think, um, you know, I said, well, where are you off to next? And she goes, oh, we're off to America. And I went, well, you know, fuck America. (laughs) As if it was like the Gulf, you know, Gulf War, America. I don't know what was their fault. And I went, yeah, well, fuck America. And she went, yeah, well, you know, five of the band are Americans. so, (laughs) So that's. That will be. Mm. That won't be a slogan we'll be taking up for the rest. <laughs> of the talk. I will. Um, okay, uh, because I love him, and because I'm an Anglophile, um, and because I think he's hot. Uh, Robbie Williams. Okay, I when I was at okay. MTV, he uh, the ego has landed like the comp, the the album that was supposed to break him in the states that was like. They, they took his first like two and a half albums and mushed them together and made like a greatest hits for the US. And it was like certain he was going to explode. And uh, and so we had him on the show and I was like, I have to meet him beforehand. And so I like I ran in and uh, and I was like, Robbie Williams, oh, my God, I love you. Um, and I was like, congratulations on the, on the album. But I don't have to buy it because it's all old stuff. Right. And he was like, yeah, no, I guess you don't. And. And then just everything stopped and, uh, and, and like, and the people who were making, like, even the makeup artist who was like doing his powder was just like, what, why would you, what's going on right now? Uh, and then he just sort of said, well, thanks for liking me. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> and then I interviewed him on live TV and it was awkward, but he was uh, lovely. He was lovely. I was just a fucking idiot. I why didn't the presence work for of him? Pardon me? Why didn't it work? Why didn't it work for him? Too British. In America. Too British. Was that what it was? I think so. Yeah. It was just too, yeah, there was something about the tone that we couldn't, like it was, it was, um, there's like a, a, like a willful camp to it. 
that American audiences don't understand. It's like, you can't make fun of you. Yeah. We have to, you know? Um, yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, yes, I don't yes, know. yes, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I don't, plus like you tell an American 13 year old, it's like, oh, this is a sample from Shirley Bassey's theme to you only live twice. And they're like, we don't care. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think it was a little too, maybe a, also a little too uh, fully grown and post-pubescent. A little too, too like, threatening of a male. Mm-hmm. Where we like them doughy. Yeah, prob- yeah, yeah. He, Not gone doughy, past, chunky, like he'd gone doughy past like a doughy. the stage. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'll still he'd take gone it past any day. The wide-eyed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Robbie or Bieber? Or both. Oh, Robbie, Robbie. Uh, Bieber just looks like a Petri dish right now. I had a funny moment with Justin Bieber. Tell us everything. <laughs> this isn't meant to be like all my, cause we were on the same show. Yeah. And he was, he was lovely by the way, but I'm really? like, you know, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you know, he's Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber. And I'm some sort of, I'm in a very different place to him, you know, it's like a little bit, so I'm, he's cool. I'm not cool. Okay. It's well, he's in a different place. Yeah. Disagree, and, but it, no, but he, you know, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? He's got sure. a Lamborghini. I've got a six CD changer. That's, That's probably correct. says it better. <laughs> with and, um, yeah, with the foals. Um, and, uh, I go, hello, I'm William. <laughs> and he goes, Hi, I'm Justin. He goes, oh, what did he say? What? Where? He goes, and then he, he like really came for me very quickly. Where do you live? I went, oh, London. <laughs> uh, uh, and he went, whereabouts? I went, Clapham, <laughs> South London. He goes, do you have money? Do you come from money? And I went, oh, a, a bit. I mean, I went to boarding school, you know, and I'm, I'm like up against the wall by this stage. And, and I go, what about you? <laughs> he goes, I didn't come from money, but I've got a lot of money now. And I went, oh, okay. And then that was it. <laughs> do you come and from then... <laughs> money? This is such a bizarre. It was really but, uh, What I do like about this interaction is that he's the pop idol of this. You know what I mean? He's the one who's who's putting his foot in his mouth, not you. Yeah. Well, no, but what was lovely was uh, late. Uh, then about 10 minutes later when I regained like well, first of all, of course, I was sweating because I was nervous. <laughs> when I when I got that out of the way, I went back up to him and was like, oh, you know, why did you say that, by the way, about the money thing? And he, and he was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know, really. And it was really cute. And I just thought it was obviously just a little bit of a – he wasn't being nasty. It was just – I don't know. I thought he was really nice. And actually, he was – he then, like, made fun of me. About being old, and I thought it was quite sweet. I actually think, I actually think he is. I actually quite liked him. I got, I got okay. what the whole thing was. It was like a little bit of a challenge, and actually, he's just a young kid, and he's sort of quite nice, and he made fun of me, just like my nephew would. Hmm. You know, Great. so I, I sort of, sort of, I sort of felt for him a bit. Really, I love it. Um, you saw the humanity. Yeah, so I thought in a Justin Bieber. I did. I did after the initial terror. <laughs> wow. I'm seeing him in a whole new way. Still wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. He's but. nice. No, okay. I think he's nice deep down. Okay. Um, 
Thank you so much, by the way. Will, so much for doing this. You are the greatest. Thank you so much. Let us know when you're in Los Angeles next. I feel bad because I haven't asked you anything about your own lives. It's, it's well, not the that's point. That's not how it works. It's not when why you're, you're here. That's not why you're here, William. But you're very you're sweet to say that. You. Yeah, but as an as as an interviewer slash nosy bastard, I always like to know about <laughs> about people. So I'm sorry that we haven't had the chance. Listen, but hopefully another another time. Next time in one of our yeah, next time countries, you can interview us over a pint, perhaps. Will Young, thank um, you so much. Take care, both of you. And you too. Um, thank you, Will. I will um I will speak to you soon. I'm gonna go and walk the dogs now. Bye. Well, Matt, we've come to the end of another episode. Dave, 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 thank you for being here with me, giving thank me you, a reason to live. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for reviewing us on Apple Podcasts with five stars only, of course. Thank you to Renee Colvert with a T, mm-hmm. our, our producer. Thank you to Ryan Connor, our engineer. Thank you to everybody at Earwolf. Uh-huh. Thank um, you, Ben Wise, for the music. Yes. And thank you, listener, for listening. Uh, tell a friend. Leave a review. We love you. Mm-hmm.